What's up? My name is Lucas, and thanks for checking out the GT Young Adults podcast. We're a community from GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus, have a passion to learn, grow, and live like Him, and man, we have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to His truth and His hope. So lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks so much for listening. Tonight we are finishing a series. We're finishing a series called entitled Heaven on Earth, where we've just walked through the Sermon on the Mount. We've taken as much time as we feel like we could to really unpack the words of Jesus, uh, what is known as his greatest sermon, his manifesto. Some would say it's like just the, the heart of God, really, as we sung tonight. It's like Jesus has come and he's beginning to talk about this switch that he's making, this this switch of like what you know as the law, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it upside down. What you know is the culture, I'm going to flip it upside down. I want to show you the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom culture that I want to set for you and for me. And so he begins and he just starts this beautiful sermon that, like I said, many weeks now that so many people have used, Christian are not just as like a manifesto for their life, Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, like these people have, their whole life has now reflected one or two things that Jesus spoke. And so we finish it tonight. The last three chunks of this are three warnings. Truthfully, there are three warnings, and we've gone through a lot of different stuff. We've gone through all sorts of, like I said, like we've hit, what does the salt of the earth mean? What does it mean to love your enemy? What is Jesus saying that? Like to be angry, um, all these different pieces. And, and then he finishes off kind of strong, right? Like I kind of like last week, I feel like I was precursing so many things, so much pretext. I, it's just, it's heavy. He kind of goes like the narrow gate, false prophets, and then this final chunk that we know. If you grew up in church, you will know this. If you, if you, when you read it, it kind of reads as something a little bit more like a nursery rhyme. Like, that's how you kind of read it, funny enough. And I, I want us to not get there. I want us to, like, I want to give you as much context here as possible because we've done three chapters, right? It's a long sermon from Jesus. He ends kind of heavy, right? I'm just being honest. It's heavy, but freeing. How many people know that sometimes you need to hear the uncomfortable truth, that, that hearing something that's real and honest, although it can kind of hurt, it's actually good for you. And so that's kind of how Jesus ends. And as a listener tonight, I want to say this, okay? I will, I feel like I say this every time. This is the most important thing Jesus says in this sermon, okay? And you're like, you've said that for eight weeks. No, now I mean it, okay? I mean it because he, he kind of encompasses everything he just said. He'll say, therefore, after all this sermon, he says, therefore, which we know it means, okay, what is this therefore? So we, we really look into it, right? As a listener, you know that Jesus, Jesus is kind of reaching this climax, this high point. If you were a first century reader or listener, Matthew, the writer here, is doing something very specific. And I want to give you this context, again, because how I think we sometimes interpret this scripture. I think Matthew doesn't really get the genius he's afforded. Like, he's, he's, not, he's not a dumb guy. Like, he's a smart individual. And so to kind of give you some backstory here, the Sermon on the Mount is broken down into five main sections. Now, as a first-century Jew, we wouldn't know this in our time right now, but as a first-century Jew, this is really important because they had the first five books of the Bible that represented so much for them, right? meant so much to them. The, the Torah, if you will, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those five books were the law, were the, like kind of handed down to them, and, and it was so important to them. And yet Matthew here breaks it down into five sections. He kind of does it similar to like an essay. There's an intro, a thesis, you know, the three meet, if you will, the conclusion, all that. 
And then he has these five sections. And why does that matter? Because Matthew is saying something really interesting to these first century Jewish listeners, who this book was mostly written to. This is important. Again, I promise the context is getting to an important point. This is important because he's literally saying, you've loved Moses, you've followed Moses, now love Jesus, follow Jesus. Moses was put on this, this high pedestal. Like he was, he took them up, like he took the Israelites and got them to the prom. Like this was everything to them. He was everything to them. And Matthew's saying, I know what you're thinking. I know you kind of think of the old days. Trust me, the new way is better. Jesus is saying something here. Follow him, right? One commentator I read this week, and it was so brilliantly said that I just have to read it to you. He's like, Matthew's being creative. He's saying to these listeners he's, that Jesus is a new Moses, leading a new Exodus, teaching a new Torah to a brand new Israel in a new kingdom. You see the depth here? Like this isn't, this isn't just something small, like this is a big deal. And again, why do I give you all that kind of backstory theology? I say that all because when we, again, we read this section, this chunk, it kind of sounds like a nursery rhyme, okay? So I'm gonna read it to you now. Are you ready for this? And don't do what I think you're gonna do because I did it already as I read it this week. Here we go. This is Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and he huffed and he puffed and he blew it down. You know what I'm saying? This is Three Little Pigs vibe. That's what I'm getting. Anyone else? I'm totally, when I read this, I'm like, okay, yep, yep, and it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Yeah. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man. Hmm. And he huffed and he, that's, that's kind of how we read the scripture sometimes. To be honest, right? Here's what I was thinking about this week. I was like, if I, sometimes we read this scripture, Tommy, you can cue it up for me. And we read it with this type of music in the background. I know we love music, especially in Victoria, young adults. This is how we read this one. Right? I know. Thank you, Jason Mraz. One hit wonder, it's still wonderful. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Yeah. All right. Let's go on with life. Let's go do the things. Okay, cut it, Tommy. That's not what Jesus is saying, okay? That's not how he's preaching right now. That's not the tone. That's not the vibe. Seriously, it's not. He, I'm being honest. This is the final section of the Sermon on the Mount that he has been preaching and setting up the kingdom. He's showing the kingdom of heaven while on earth. He's, he's showing a new way to be human in this hard thing we call life. That's not how he's preaching it. These are known as the three final warnings. So this is more or less how I think he, he preaches it, okay? Just, just go with me for a second. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against it, but the house did, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone, okay, you can stop, Tommy. That's the new James Bond, Hans Zimmer. You can't beat Hans Zimmer, right? He's the best. He really is. You know how much fun I had looking for music this week? I had Pirates of the Caribbean on there. But it was too intense, you know. He kind of, it's a slow. I don't want you guys to get caught up in the, maybe nostalgia, or what would be like, um, 
I don't know, just our own emotions in the moment. And I'm, I'm, and I'm just having fun with this. Obviously, I'm being facetious. But I guess I just, for me, the Sermon on the Mount, growing up in church, we would go to church, and I, I don't know if I took a lot in. I think sometimes there was moments that really struck me, and sometimes it didn't, and I was trying to find my own way. It was more like we went and we enjoyed as a family, but also was like this thing we did, and sometimes it became more habitual than relationship, right? And so for me, I know when I read the Sermon on the Mount, my bias, my past is going to say, you've read this before. It's just, yeah, I get it. Don't build your house on the sand. That makes sense. I get it. It's a metaphor. Okay, cool. But I don't want us to just skip past it, right? Like that's been my heart this whole series. These words matter. Jesus is about to close like the most powerful thing. I think he maybe says this entire like in his entire life with us. And so I, I paint that picture because I want you to understand what I think is the weight. It is slightly heavy, I mean, it's true, but it's very freeing. Jesus says, my yoke is light, my burden is not heavy, right? So we know that his words aren't heavy, but it can still feel that way. And so we have to find and unpack that truth, that realness. That's why I set this up so much, because I think this is really important. So now let's just read it like normal humans with all that context, okay? No more music. Just kidding, Tommy, hit it. Pirates of the Caribbean. No, I'm just kidding. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, I'm sorry, this is verse 24 of chapter 7, and puts them into practice, underline that word practice if you have your own Bible, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against that house, yet it did not fall, because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And this is how the Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, the Sermon on the Mount ends. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as the teachers, excuse me, not as their teachers of the law. Okay, so make no mistake, this is this is for sure a warning. Uh, this isn't just good advice. He's not just trying to help you be a healthy person who builds his house in the right places. He's, he's actually doing something that sometimes we don't maybe like to hear. He's, he's helping create a healthy fear. Uh, maybe there's better terms in the Greek, but, but for us in our English language, like he's trying to create just a healthy warning for you. Parents, you do this for children, and we do this for friends. We do this for ourselves, where we create like an, an honest, healthy fear, just, just making sure you understand how important everything I just said is, and so you understand. So he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, meaning everything you've just heard since kind of the Beatitudes, he speaks with authority. He speaks with honesty and transparency. And for us now, it's interesting because in today's world, we have, we have conversations, talks all the time. Like We're overloaded with information, right? It's the truth. You, it's not hard to find information. I mentioned this last week. Podcasts, blogs, books, audiobooks, all which are very good. But for Jesus, his, his goal in this sermon was not that there were just, like, he's not just trying to inform you. Right? That's not what his goal is. And this may sound a little bit cheesy because it kind of rhymes, but it is the truth. Jesus is, not, is trying to transform your mind, not just inform your mind. And so even like, I think Jackson led this kind of at, at Team Rally, like, it's not just about information. This isn't just about having like, some good tools in your back pocket for when you go into Monday. Jesus is not just speaking about like, do this, don't do this. That was the whole difference between Jesus and the law, right? God gave 10 commandments. Then the Israelites were like, that's not enough laws. That's not enough do's and don'ts. And so they blew it up to 613 do's and don'ts. For them, that created order. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. 
I've come to like bring freedom. I've come to, to fulfill the law. And now I'm coming to show you a new way to live. So he gives us this sermon because he's trying to transform your mind, your heart. He's trying to engage your soul in a relationship, not just inform you. If you just come to church and it's just like Josh was even saying, like, just, I'm just going to get some stuff to better myself tomorrow. We're missing it. There's a deeper transformation that needs to happen. He wants you to see the world different and then be different. Like that's the goal. So we have a couple things to break down before I want to show you what I think are some flawed foundations. What's interesting here is the word practice. Please understand this word. This word is so important for us. I think especially young adults mostly. Like in Matthew 5, verse 19, he says this. this, I'm just going to jump back for a second. You can quickly flip there. He's, this is kind of his actual thesis right after the Beatitudes, which is his intro, like I mentioned. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever, and this is that word, practices. So he says it actually a couple chapters earlier. I don't know if we hit this part when we first journeyed through. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then he uses that same word in Matthew 7 again. <clears throat> Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into... Practice. Well, that was a practice. Okay, everyone hears these words of mine, puts them into, well done, well done. Right, the same word. Now, this is important. This word is peo. It's this Greek word, which literally is the biggest catch-all word ever. It's like to do, to make, to try. But like so many other things than that. I was reading all these like commentary. It was like, I was going to have to print a page, and then I just did. I just put it. It's like to make, to do, to try, to prepare, to produce, to bear, to shoot forth. To shoot forth. I was like, what are we shooting forth? This sounds fun. Payo, Legolas. Okay, sorry. To make a thing out of something. To render one thing. To constitute or appoint anything. To lead out. To, to, make one, to make one do something. Interesting. To act rightly. To carry out. To execute. To do. To try. To make. Are you understanding? Jesus is not saying you have to have all this figured out now that I've preached it. Be good. Go be perfect humans. It's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying, try. Just try. I'm not saying you have to have it all figured out. I'm not saying you got to have it perfectly figured out. Okay, what do we always say? Practice makes perfect. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Just practice. That's it. I used to have a baseball coach, and he'd go, I'd be like, practice makes perfect. He'd be like, no, perfect practice makes perfect. I'm like, I'm 11, you know? Like, just trying to throw the ball down the center. That's all. Just trying to hit and run. Perfect practice makes perfect. And he'd always chew his gum like so loud. Perfect. Like, could you be any more baseball, you know? Like, it just, no, that's not at all what's happening here. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's not about perfection. He's just saying, just go be. Go do. Go try. You're going to mess up probably. That's okay. Why is he pushing us so hard to do? Why is he pushing us so hard to practice? Why is he pushing us so hard to actually get out? Because we don't learn to hear the voice of God without practicing. We don't learn this relationship. Like relationship comes with energy and effort, right? We know this. We came with friends tonight, your spouses, whatever it is, family, whatever it is. We came tonight with, with someone or even just ourselves. We know even our relationship with ourselves takes, takes practice. Jesus' whole goal is relationship. He's saying, just practice. Would you please try? And here's why I think it's so important. I mean this. Because there is a sin. There is sin of doing nothing. Like, laziness is real, friends. 
And I, I love this generation. I think we're some of the hardest working people. I think we get a bad rap sometimes. But this word foolish is this Greek word moros, where we get our, our, our word moron. I know, he's so mean. It feels so mean, right? It's so hard. He's not mean. I'm sorry, Jesus, my bad. You know what I'm saying? It just feels so harsh, right? It feels intense, it feels heavy. But he's not calling you a moron. That's not what he's saying. He's saying those who hear words, right, who get the time to process, who hear everything that I'm saying, who understand that I'm just looking for that energy, that effort, and I'm gonna do it with them, and then do nothing, they're just being foolish. That's what he's saying, there's a difference. Proverbs 18, nine says, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. If you guys know me at all, I don't like picking one verse and just throwing it at you. I love to just preach as we go. But I just, this, this verse is underlined in my Bible because I, I find it so intriguing that he, like the word destroy, right? A lazy person is bad as someone who would destroy something. Stagnant, like being stagnant is not in the cards. I know it seems harsh. I always pick on people who nap a lot, you know? I used to always do this with the youth. I'd always be like, how much, you nap? Like nap, I, I used to make this joke that you'll have to answer for the naps you didn't need. You know what I'm saying? I know. Nappers in the house, you're like, whoa, I don't know. I can't theologically back it up, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. But I need to say this because it's important. He's just asking you to try, to practice. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? I'm trying to push this point home because I really believe it. And so practice, he's saying, try, like get engaged, get involved, hear what I'm saying, and then begin, start, and I'll journey with you. But I think for us, here's what happens, because it's all about the foundation, right? He's asking us, not saying you have to, but he's putting forth, he's saying, these words of mine, what I'm saying to you, this should be your foundation, the firm foundation. He's talking about himself, obviously. And I think for us, I wanted to break this down a little bit differently. I wanted to suggest um, three potentially flawed foundations that I see in, our, in us, in myself, that I've seen in myself before that I feel like potentially we even see in culture that we're seeing maybe for you right now. The first one is this, a flawed foundation. This is life, this is us. It's the scattered skeptic. The person who is just skeptical of everything, right? By the way, I am naturally skeptical of most things. I am. I, I, sometimes trust is hard for me. But this person who is this scattered skeptic, meaning for you when it comes to life, you don't really have any specific foundation. Nothing truly is foundation because nothing really to you is a big deal. Life is life. There's ups, there's downs. I don't get heated. I don't get sad. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not disgusted by anything. I'm just, I'm just good. Just always fine. That word fine, we all know you're not fine, right? Like we just kind of, I'm, I'm cool. I'm collected. It's fine. I don't need anything from anyone. I don't need anything from you. I don't really need anything from God. I don't need anything from family, this, that. I'm just, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm, a, I'm just I'm not so sure about this Jesus thing. There's some things that make sense. No, but here's the interesting thing about the person I would consider a scattered skeptic, which I've been, I've been there. When life hits you back, you begin to realize just how weak you are and your foundation is. Notice here, the storm comes no matter what, right? It says this. Therefore, anyone hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came, streams rose, winds blew against the house. But those who don't are a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain came, streams rose, winds blew. Friends, trouble's always around the corner. 
We live in a fallen world, broken people, sinful people. We, we do things to each other that we're mean. Like, we're not, like, it's not all happy, easy going, lucky, perfect, roses, rainbows, all those pieces, right? Like, stuff happens all the time. Like, in this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But, this is like my favorite verse in the Bible, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And in this moment too, I need you to hear this, that if you're kind of scattered, if you're skeptical tonight, you're not really sure, but you've been coming with friends, let me tell you, trouble will come. It sucks, it's, it's real, it's honest. I've, I've shared with you some of the things in my own heart, my own life that have happened, real things, vulnerable things. And when you're scattered and you don't have a firm foundation, I'm telling you in that moment when there is a storm, your heart becomes overwhelmed. Your soul can't take it on its own. That's why God is saying, let me be your foundation. When you're skeptical of everything, you're foundational in nothing. And life becomes really difficult. Man, don't, don't, don't walk that path. Don't walk that path because you walk it alone and it's really hard. There's a flawed foundation there, guys. Even if you are skeptic, you just know you're so welcome. But man, ask the hard questions. Think about where your life is headed, where you're going now. Ask yourself about your foundation. Is it solid? Are you ready for when that job doesn't come, when that relationship ends? Are you falling apart because of one or two things that you thought were holding you up? What happens then? It's a hard place to be. I don't want anyone to be there. The second foundation that I think is flawed is the cultural Christian, right? This one might hit home for some of you. I'm not trying to condemn anyone here. I'm trying to be honest and real and talk about things that matter. You would say Christ is your foundation, but truthfully, that might not be true. Really what drives you is image. Therefore, idolatry really drives you. Money, success, career, self. But, but Christianity feels really good in the right moment at the right time. Maybe it's Sunday nights at six. I don't know. You're a Christian when it makes sense, right? And sometimes we like to almost, we have a foundation, but what we'll do is we'll put that block in front of it. So whenever everyone sees is our foundation being Jesus, but truthfully, it's not holding much up. And for me, I, I know for a fact I walk through this. And I know for me, what, what the real deep question I was asking was, and again, not to, not to condemn, but this was my journey, is that I was concerned for my salvation, but not my sanctification. Okay, and I'll break that down, what I mean by that. Is that, man, I really truly feel like the verse that says eternity is written on our hearts is accurate, right? Like C.S. Lewis talks about this. He always says, like, if you feel like there's something bigger out there calling you, maybe there really is something bigger out there calling you. Like there's this point to an intelligent designer, a creator, someone who loves you, right? And so for me, I know I was always worried about heaven and hell. Like that, growing up, that was just like put in kind of in us. And there was this concern I had, but I wasn't, ever thinking about the journey. Every single day, looking more and more like Christ, which is that big theological term, sanctification. Friends, that's where the joy is. Not stressing out about eternity, but understanding that God said he wants you to have life and life to the full right now. Amen? Are you sensing? Like, you're facing tomorrow. Eternity, yes, that's coming. We can answer that. That's another sermon, another series. But Monday has problems of its own. Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, like we have things in our life happening right now that are real, that are heavy, that are hard. Maybe some things that are exciting, things that to celebrate, engagements, whatever it is. Like there's, there's things happening now. 
And I don't want to miss out on the journey of sanctification, of learning more about Christ tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and seeing, you know, things pop up in my daughter. She, today my daughter started talking about Easter and what Easter is all about. And I was like, man, she's talking about it right here, right now. I'm learning something. I'm getting something. I don't want to be a cultural Christian. I don't want to be someone who just likes it on Easter and Christmas. I want to dive into this because if what he's saying is true, if what Jesus is describing is real, I want that now. I want that tonight. I want that tomorrow. I want that every day. Amen? But I get it, it's hard. I totally get it. I'm not saying this is easy. I think it's fair to say I'm concerned for salvation and sanctification. It's not one or the other, either or, it's both and. But it's flawed. It's flawed because you're gonna miss out on a lot of beautiful things. You don't wanna just be checkmarking that box for later. You want that Christ in every day, every moment. Third thing is the closeted agnostic, who's the person who's spiritually aware spiritually curious, um, but at the same time spiritually unsure, right? Just kind of, I don't want to put my feet into anything too much because I'm not sure, but I know there's something, but I'm not sure. So I'm not sure, right? Like commitment issues is what I'm getting at, okay? Just constantly trying to find the right foundation. We're like, well, that didn't work, so I'm going to try this one. No, that's not real. I'm not really feeling that one. I'm going to try this one. Maybe it's something more new age. Maybe, maybe it is Jesus. But I don't want all of Jesus' things because Jesus says some mean things sometimes. I don't really like it. I don't, they don't feel good in my heart. So I'm just going to do the nice things or this thing. And we kind of become really scattered, constantly trying to find the right thing, the right foundation. And can I be honest? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> Finding anything that you can to try and put your weight into, your foundation into, and it never seems right because we're afraid that that nursery Bible verse rhyme thing might be true and Jesus might actually be honest and real and want a relationship with us. And the problem with the closeted agnostic, if you're in here tonight, is that that lack of commitment creates cracks in your foundation. And there's these little pieces that will begin to crack under pressure. And we're just gonna feel as scattered as a skeptic, as abandoned as the cultural Christian who when things go hard. Guys, I say all these things not to make you feel bad about maybe where you're at. I promise, it's not that. We wrote this sermon actually a few times just because there's so much we unpack. But I think because I found myself in each and every one of these categories a little bit. And Jesus ends his sermon so profoundly and deeply saying, please, please just try this. Just put, make me your foundation and watch what happens. See what begins to grow. See how your life begins to be, become. And I think for me, I just am so, my heart is so burdened for all of you and, and even the younger generation than us because I feel like we're just, we're just sort of slightly missing it when it comes to Jesus and what he's saying to us. I wanna share this, this thing that happened to me not too long ago. Um, we, were at, we were having team night here and I was just, I was sitting right where Robbie is and, and I was just, we were singing and it was wonderful and I just, I just felt like the Lord impressed on me uh, like kind of a vision, a thought. And, and I just have been stewing on it for a, for a little while now. And I just, I saw this really young person and I, and I was standing beside some really young people as well. And, and, and this word that God gave me, which was this word sedated. And I share this with you. I'm not trying to hyper-spiritualize anything. I'm just trying to speak what I, as, as I think it <clears throat> relates to closing this sermon. That it's not that the young people are dead, which I've heard from some older generation, that they're, that they're gone, that they don't follow Jesus, nothing like that. It's not that we're alive necessarily, but we're just like sitting in this self-induced coma. 
And this word sedated, I just cannot get out of my prayer life. It, it won't leave. And I find myself just praying against it that we would not be a generation, generation that's sedated, that's in this self-induced, I'm not really sure, so I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on this, so I'll just, I'll just wait it out. I don't feel totally certain, and I didn't get that word I thought I would, so I'll just take another step back. And in the thought and the vision, and guys, again, there's, there's some theology behind this, and I'm not trying, if you're new to church, I'm just trying to, again, explain our heart. My heart here is always to be real. It's almost like they had put themselves in it, not that they had been put in it. We have the greatest teachings that we could get. You have the words, the teachings of Jesus, they're in your heart, they're on your mind, they're in front of you. For some of us, we choose to sleep, literally. The question is, what will we do with them? Not if they just are nice and friendly, what are we gonna do with them? What does it actually mean to be the salt and light of the world? What does it look like to go into work tomorrow like we've talked about and love your enemy? What does it look like to store up treasures in heaven, not material things, to look at the eternal, not temporal, to look at the spiritual, not material? What does it look like to do that? What does it look like to fight the anger we have in our heart alongside Jesus, not on your own, alongside Jesus, what does it look like to do that? We have to decide. You have to decide. I have to decide. You have to make a choice because the fr friends, we're already building. We're building a life. There's foundation set in place. The question is not if you're building, it's what you're already building on. You've heard a statement like that or similar to it before. It's not what you, like, if you worship, it's what you worship. It's not, it's not if you give, it's like where you give. Like, this is the reality in our life. And the question remains, what will you do with the words and the person of Jesus? So I would encourage you to do this. If I could give you a step, something practical, but real. No more thinking. We've walked through the Sermon on the Mount, or if you've grown up in it, like, You've taken the time to process potentially. Maybe you haven't, I wanna respect that. Now it's time to actively pursue and practice. To practice. And here's the one thing I'll say. Here's the good news. That's the Lord calling. Sorry, I, had to, I just feel awkward not saying something. It's all good, it's all good. Now we actively practice, we pursue. And this is the whole piece of Jesus that is the best. <laughs> no one's building alone. Please don't, just don't build alone. That's the best part about the Lord is he's saying like, listen, I'm not asking you to, to just go and do something. I'm asking to practice with you. I'm asking to build beside you. I'm asking for this to be a partnership. I'm asking that you would listen to my words, love the, sure, love the words, but let's do this thing called life together. Like he's offering an invitation. It's an invitation to you, to me. And the words are there. And we decide now what our foundation will be. And I don't know why we wait on it. We're uncertain. Okay, we'll talk to someone, pray with them. Like let the words of Jesus sink in. Like 
don't be, I don't say don't be a fool. It sounds too mean. He can say it, I can't. Consider what he's suggesting here. There's no other way. Don't be just sitting sedated in a self-induced place where you're just never moving anywhere there. Like, that's why we sang a song tonight. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I have nothing else to say but implore and, and encourage and challenge you and ask you, consider Jesus. Let him be the foundation. Stop letting it be career. Stop letting it be relationships. Stop letting it be success. Stop, stop letting it be yourself. Make him your foundation. Let his words be your direction. Continue to follow, follow with him. Build beside him. Like ask him hard questions like we talked about last week. Yes, pray to God, but also let him, like, search him and let him search you. This is the journey he's calling us to, and it's wonderful because it's done together. Done together. All across this room, I, I just wanted to end a little bit differently tonight. I know we're running a little bit late, but can we just, like, bring the lights down a little bit? And I just wanted Josh to, like, sing this, that last song we sang all um, by himself and just create a bit of a moment here. Would you stand to your feet? I think we think better when we're, think, when we're standing. I do. And I just wanna like, maybe you wanna create some space for a moment. And I just want Josh to sing that song one more time. And I wanna pray over you. And we'll have some prayer team up here ready to pray with you if you need it. But honestly, I was thinking about all the things I could say or do. Like I was like, we're going old school youth ministry. We're gonna bring people to the front. Everyone's coming up. But here's the thing, you have to decide. Like it doesn't matter, like you have to decide what you will do with the words. Like it's kind of a crazy way for someone to end a sermon, isn't it? For Jesus to actually just drop a bomb like that. You're gonna hear it, you're gonna do it, or you're not. And he just walks off the stage, like that's what happens. And so for you, you have to decide, you have to choose. Friends, I'm not saying it's now or never. Okay, I'm not saying right now it's heaven or hell. That would be terrible preaching. That's not what Jesus is saying and that's not what I'm saying. I just want the urgency because I want you to live in that freedom and that joy and that blessing and that love and that relationship now. That's why I'm being like, let's get in it. So lights even down a bit more if we can, guys. Sorry, I, I, not you, it's me. I just want you to create a moment. Josh, can you sing Heart of God again, specifically those first verses, that bridge? Respond how you need to respond tonight. Close your eyes across this room. Create a moment between you and the Lord. Maybe for the first time in weeks, be authentic with him. Maybe for the first time in a long time, you need to pray a prayer that comes with some angry words and some frustration because of the way life's gone. But don't try and just leave here scattered. Don't leave here confused. Don't leave here just like, oh, I did my thing, I'm, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm fine. Don't, be the, don't do that. Have a moment with a God who loves you and sees you and wants to build with you your life. Let's sing, Josh. Here I stand before you now As honestly as I know how Broken by the days gone by Spirit help my soul to
Everything you're doing. 